thankful that you are able to join us today as Pastor Mark Robinette preaches another sermon at Foundation Church here in Mount Sterling, Ohio. If this message is an encouragement to you, and we pray that it will be, please consider taking the time to go to www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org and let us know. Thank you, and may the Lord richly bless you through his word. Thy praise confess, yea, of thy word, my tongue would sing, yea, of thy word, my tongue would sing, for thy commands are Greetings this Lord's Day in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, and the Shepherd of our souls. You know, God is so good to us. He doesn't just keep us away from bad things, right? But He leads us to good things. The psalmist tells us in Psalm 23 as... We are called to worship by it that the Lord is my I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures and he leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. And surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let us pray. O Lord... Today our cup runs over. Lord, you have indeed prepared for us a table in the presence of our enemy. And as we stop, while they continue on, while they strive and work and and try to get ahead, we stop in the midst of it all, even in the midst of the battle, and we sit down and we feast with you. We pray, Lord, that in this time together that you would restore our souls That you would give us peace in a world filled with fear and no peace. That you, the Prince of Peace, would indeed lead us beside the still and refreshing waters of the wells of salvation. That we would drink deeply. Lord, that we would bring others, those lost sheep, and we would bring them into the fold. And they would find comfort under your protection and under your leadership. I pray, O Lord, that you would feed us from heaven that you would change us, Lord God, that we indeed would be your people and the sheep of your pasture. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
remain standing for just a few more moments as I read for you my text. My sermon today is called The Good Shepherd. Everybody say The Good Shepherd. John chapter 10, uh, starting in verse 11 and going from 11 to verse 16. John 10, 11 through 16. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming in. He leaveth the sheep and he fleeth, and the wolf catches them and scatters the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is a hireling, and he cares not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Let us pray. Lord, we pray today, Lord, as your word goes forth, that you would change us by it, that it would engraft itself into us, your living word. Lord, that you would live in us and through us to touch the world, to gather the lost sheep, to bind up their wounds and to protect them from their enemies. We pray today, Lord, that as we hear your word, that you would change us by it and that we indeed would be the city set on a hill. In Christ's name we pray. All the church said amen. You may be seated. We're now in our 68th week of teaching through the life of Jesus. And um, we have been with Jesus and his disciples through the feast of Passover and his teaching and confronting the leaders of the Jewish people. And I found this extremely interesting, uh, the context of the words of these scriptures. Time and again, Jesus has been making a point to show that these men are blind. Everybody say blind. And he's been also making a point that they're deaf. Everybody say deaf. Now, it's one thing to be blind and deaf because you can't, uh, you're not responsible for what you don't see and what you can't hear, right? But Jesus is about to take up his condemnation of the Pharisees to another level. It's not uh, merely that they are blind and they can't help it. It's not merely that they're deaf and they can't hear. uh, Because, you know, that's one thing. But he's going to ratchet up his condemnation of them uh, to include the fact that they have willfully not only neglected God's people and the work that he'd given them to do, but they had willfully harmed them. And created uh, an environment and an atmosphere that focused on their honor, their position, their religion, and not on the love of God and love for His people. Now, drawing from a reoccurring Old Testament theme, Jesus continues His case toward these ungodly men. From Jacob's blessing over his son Joseph in Genesis, uh, where he refers to the shepherd of Israel. 
to uh, words that we find in the Psalms written by a shepherd boy turned king, to the encouraging words of Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Hosea, and Micah. All of them referred to God and to God's people in the same way. Sheep and shepherds. And referred to the people that God had entrusted to lead the people of Israel as shepherds. These shepherds were, uh, as you will hear in some of the Old Testament scriptures that we will read, uh, they were not doing their job. And so when Jesus begins to speak in John chapter 10, trust me, uh, as Andy said, the, the, the Jews knew the Bible. They had, so, they had this, a smaller portion of it than we do. And they would sit all day long and they would read it. And they would rock back and forth and they would memorize. If you've ever been around, if you've ever seen a lot of these uh, Jews and the Hasidim still do it. They will be reading and reading and memorizing and memorizing all day long. When Jesus gets up and he says, I am the shepherd. I am the good shepherd that cares for his sheep. They knew exactly what he was referring to. He knew that he was referring to things that David had quoted and, and that were in Genesis. And he knew that they were quoting from Jeremiah and Ezekiel. And he knew that they were the bad shepherds. They knew the story of the good shepherds and the bad shepherds. How God hated them and how God had uh, an indictment against them for their ungodliness. And so he wasn't just saying, oh, they, they don't see me and they can't hear me because they're dead in their sins. He's saying, yeah, they can't see me. They can't hear me. They don't understand me. But what they are is not just incapable. What they are is they are evil in themselves. If you remember, Jesus would look at them and he would say, if you were my children, you would hear my voice. But you do hear the voice of your father, your father, the devil. He condemns them uh, over and over. And this condemnation is what brings judgment upon Jerusalem later, uh, where the judgment of all of these bad shepherds for generations and generations of not only men who were just blind and deaf, but they were willful and ungodly in their harm of God's people. Here in our text, Jesus calls on these ancient words as he ties the Pharisees to these ungodly men who led the flock of God astray, and he's tying himself to the one who would redeem leadership over them as the good shepherd. Jeremiah 50 says, My people, verse 6, My people have been lost sheep their shepherds have caused them to go astray they have turned away on the mountains it's one thing to neglect your children but it's another to lead them in ungodliness right you know you may be you know working on whatever uh doing whatever and thinking they're okay or leaving them to the moment that's bad but there are people who intentionally lead their people the wrong way lead your children the wrong way lead your church the wrong way in a way that works out and serves them. They have turned them away to the mountains. They have gone from mountain to hill. They have forgotten their resting place. All that found them have devoured them. And their adversaries said, we offend not because they have sinned against the Lord. The adversaries that are killing the Jews are going, well, yeah, they're not serving God. They deserve it. They're breaking their own rules and they're breaking their own laws and their own people are taking advantage of them. We're doing them a favor. We're helping God. We're punishing them for their evil deeds. The enemies could see that they were doing wrong. It's, it's like imagine today the church and its ungodliness that it, it, it does out here. The world doesn't feel bad when they come against the church. 
When the church is fleecing the people of God and taking advantage of it and building a system of self-benefit where, you know, ministers are living in multi-million dollar homes and driving Bentleys and Ferraris and having their own private airplanes. The world looks at that and laughs and says, yeah, we're doing, we're doing these people a favor. And that's what they said then. Israel is a scattered sheep. The lions have driven them away. And, and uh, he begins to mention this. King of Assyria devoured them. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, broke his bones. Therefore says the Lord God of hosts, Behold, I will punish the king of Babylon and I, as I have punished the king of Syria. I will bring Israel again to his habitation and shall feed on Carmel and Bashan. And his soul shall be satisfied upon Mount Ephraim and Gilead. In those days and in that time, saith the Lord, the iniquity of Israel shall be sought for, and there shall be none. And if you miss what this means, he's saying, yeah, they have deserved it. But he said in this day, people will be looking for their sin, and there won't be any to find. You know why their sin won't be able to be found? Because it will be covered by the blood of Christ. And they will say, where are they guilty? And the Lord even will look upon the sin of his people and say, where is it? Where is this sin that they're guilty of? Where is this blood that is on their hands? And he'll say, it won't be there. So what is he talking about? What day is going to come where the people of Israel's sin will not even be on their own hands and they'll be led? He's talking about the coming of Messiah. And the Jews were very familiar with this passage. Brother Jeff read for us from Ezekiel 34. The word of the Lord said, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say, Thus saith the Lord God unto these shepherds, Woe be to the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? We are called to worship today. Was that of Psalm 23 when he says, what does he do to me? He, he uh, takes me to green pastures. What, what, what does it mean to, that he takes us to green pastures? You take sheep to green pastures so they can do what? So they can eat. He, he takes me to green pastures, not just because they're green and pretty, but because sheep like grass. And so we as the people of God and the leaders were to take them into good places where they could eat and good places where they could drink. And, and he, they were to care for them and protect them from the wolves and the lions and the difficulties. And what God's condemnation against them was here in the Old Testament is what? He is bringing on the Pharisees. Not only did you not take them to the green uh, grasses, not only did you not lead them beside the still waters, but what you did is... Not only did you not protect them from the lion and not protect them from the wolves, but you killed them yourself. And you made merchandise of them and instead of caring for your flock and stewarding it for its wool and, and loving them and being a loving shepherd, you devoured them yourself. Verse 3, you eat the fat. You put clothes on yourself with the wool. You kill them that are fed, but you feed not the flock. The diseased have you not strength, and neither have you healed that which was sick. Neither have you bound up that which was broken. Neither have you brought again that which was driven away. Jesus tells us later that when one of the sheep is lost, what do they do? And they knew the right answer, but it wasn't really what they did. The bad shepherds didn't go look. People are lazy. People don't want to go to the extra trouble. They're like, you know, we got 99. I mean, there's just one gone. I mean, let's, we should stay with them. But what, is the, what does the shepherd do who loves the sheep? He leaves the 99 and he goes out and he seeks it. He finds it uh, in a bramble bush somewhere. He, he, it's wandered off somewhere. I've heard time and again 
in uh, churches that I've grown up in where people were wanting to reaffirm the, the power of leaders and they would talk about how dumb sheep are and how easily led astray and how distracted they are. And they would use that to blast the people of God. Say, aren't people like a bunch of sheep? Have you heard these sermons over and over, Steve? And you're sitting in the pew and you're going, yeah, we're dumb. Yeah, we're stubborn. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's not what's being talked about here. That's out of context absolutely, completely. What this is talked about here and what is referred to in the New Testament isn't a, a thing about how bad a sheep are. It's about how bad the shepherds are. It's about how ungodly they are and how lazy they are and how little they have done to steward what God has given them. Neither have you brought again that which was driven away. Neither have you sought that which was lost. But with force and cruelty have you ruled them. They were scattered because there was no shepherd. They became meat to all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. Is he blaming? Does it sound like he's blaming the sheep to you? He's blaming the shepherds. My sheep wandered through the mountains and upon every hill. Yea, my flock was scattered upon the face of the earth. And none did search for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, saith the Lord God, surely because my flock became prey and my flock became meat to every beast of the field, because there was no shepherd, neither did my shepherd search for my flock, but the shepherds fed themselves and fed not my flock. Therefore, O ye shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Behold, I am against you. I will require my flock at your hand and cause them to cease from feeding the flock. Neither shall the shepherds feed themselves any more, for I will deliver my flock from their mouth, that they may not be meat for them. That's what Jesus is talking about in John chapter 10, and they know it. They're not just being accused of missing the Messiah. They're being shown the light on the ungodly deeds of their lives for what they were. He says in verse 12, as a shepherd seeks out the flock in the day is among the sheep that are scattered. I will seek out my sheep. I will deliver them out of the places where they have been scattered in the cloudy and a dark sky. I will bring them out for my people will gather them from the countries and will bring them to their own land and feed them upon the mountains of Israel by the rivers and the inhabited places of the country. And he goes on, I will feed them in a good pasture upon the high mountains of Israel shall be their fold. There shall lie in a good fold in the fat of the pasture. In this is even the imagery of Jesus feeding the 4,000 and Jesus feeding the 5,000. He's bringing them upon the mountains of Israel and He's feeding the people. You see, Jesus wasn't just feeding the people for the sake of the miraculous. He's feeding them because that's what shepherds do. They feed the flock instead of create a situation that feeds themselves. I will seek that which was lost. I will bring again that which was driven away and will bind up that which was broken and strengthen that which was sick. Therefore I will save my flock and they shall no more be praying. And I will judge between the cattle and cattle and I will set up one shepherd over them and he shall feed them, even my servant David. Now you know David's been dead for a really long time when this prophet is speaking, so how can it be that he's going to set up a shepherd and he'll be his servant David? Jesus is known as the son of David, right? God said, your throne I will establish forever and ever. And we knew that David would, of course, be one of the forefathers of Christ himself. And I, the Lord, will be their God. And and my servant David, a prince among them, I, the Lord, have spoken it. And you can go on all the way through the rest of chapter 50 there. And you'll hear over and over God's promises. The Jews knew this. 
So when Jesus began speaking, this was pretty serious stuff for them. You know, accidentally killing somebody is one thing. Not paying attention and texting while driving, it's horrible, it's bad. But, but literally starting your car and running them on purpose into a crowd is a whole other thing, is it not? It's terrible either way. But the condemnation is much greater when it is a willful, ungodly act. And this is what Jesus is saying. Now Jesus begins this, and I read Matthew Henry uh, pointing this out. He starts off, verily, verily. Verily, verily in our day would be like amen and amen. Or it would be like, listen up, listen up. What I'm about to say, I really mean this. I, I want you to not miss this. This is serious. So when Jesus says, verily, verily, he's, he's saying, I'm about to say something you should really pay attention to. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. And about this time, I'm sure the people around, they're like, yeah, amen. That's right. That's what these bunch of people, people come in and they steal sheep and people that don't do right, they're thieves and a robber. And the Pharisees are now on his team. Oh yeah, amen and amen. He says, he that enters in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. And the Pharisees at this point are like, yeah, that's right. That's what shepherds do. Shepherds don't sneak in and skulk in and hide their way in. But they come right through the door because that's their door to come in, right? And they're like, yeah. To him, the porter opened and the sheep hear his voice and calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. You see... He's leading them in a very familiar analogy. There's sheep and shepherds everywhere. And it had been a motif of God's uh, servant leader, David. And the idea of this leader uh, being like a, a good shepherd that cares. They were like, and they thought of themselves like this. When he puts forth his own sheep, he goes before them. The sheep follow him and they know his voice. And they're like, yeah, that's exactly what sheep do. The stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they know not the voice of the strangers. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things that he spake unto them. You see, he got them on the page, he got them nodding their heads, he got them amen, and he got them going, yeah, 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 that's right, that's right. And then he says this, then Jesus said, verily, verily, he said, oh, you're listening now and you're amen and your heads are wagging up and down right now. He says, but I'm about to take you in. Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. Now imagine being the Pharisees now and they're going, what, 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 what? I was with you on sheep and I was with you on pastures and I was with you on what a good shepherd's all about. But now you just said you're the door like that. What, what, what could that possibly mean? All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. And now they start to hear Ezekiel. And now they're starting to hear Jeremiah. And now they know that Jesus has just led them like sheep into the killing area. And they are in some serious trouble. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. And shall go in and go out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. They start to dawn on them what is going on. Jesus is contrasting himself over them. We read this and oftentimes it is our indictment against the devil. 
And this is not an indictment against the devil. This is an indictment against men who steal and kill and destroy and they do it in the name of religion and they do it in the name of being in charge and they do it in the name of building a kingdom for themselves and just like the Jews had done. He said, I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. You see, a shepherd, you see, a good dad, his kids are are happy. A good pastor, the, the, the people are not terrified uh, of him that he's going to you know throw them out of the church if they don't you know print properly their their tithe envelope or whatever the good shepherd these guys realized that that there was they were about to be contrasted they these guys had worn their big important robes they had made themselves the the best seats they had let people walk around them and follow them around like little puppy dogs and and oh master 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 and and they treated them like a bunch of ignorant people they went when it was time to offer sacrifice and they took the very best things for themselves in the temple and they created a situation that was not at all the beauty of what God had. God says this as, as our good brother Andy read for us out of 1 Peter chapter 5. That a shepherd is an example to the flock. He is not to rule over them and, and in such a way where he's you know cruel to them and mean to them and trying to dominate them. But to be a good example. How does, how does he love his family and his children and his wife? And, and this, what does he do? Is, is everything too good for him to do? You know? It's all right if some of you say, oh, Pastor Mark, you shouldn't pick this thing up, you know, because I don't want you to get dirty. But it's not all right for me to say that. It's all right for you to want to help, but it's not all right for me to go, well, you know, I am the pastor and, you know, pastors don't pull weeds. And uh, that's what that's what lay people do. You know, nobody does anything, you know, it's not for me to do that. It should be me. The scripture says as a shepherd. If I'm going to be a good shepherd of this church, it should be it should be for me to say, hey, there's nothing too low for me to do, too hard for me to do, too dirty for me to do. The shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Jesus was that kind of ruler, right? He was in charge. Was he not king of all, right? Yet what did he do before he died? He said, you know, all power is given to me in heaven and earth. And it says in the next verse, and he took a towel and he wrapped. So he took a towel and wrapped around him and began washing their feet. He has all the power, Heath. He's, he's the Son of God. He can, he can not only die, he can raise himself from the dead and he's washing their feet. And he said, so also you should do this. You should serve each other like that. You see, the world wants a hierarchy. It wants a self... Uh, it wants a... Uh, an imposed hierarchy. And we resent that. All of us want to put ourselves forward. It is our nature to put ourselves and, and to make ourselves important. But Jesus said, no, that's not how we do it. In the kingdom of God, it shall not be like this. He that is first shall be last, and he that is last shall be first. Jesus says, verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life. For his sheep, but he that's a hireling and not the shepherd whose own the sheep are not sees the wolf coming and he leaves the sheep and fleeth, and the wolf catches them and scatters the sheep. They're hearing the words of Jesus now, and now they know that they're in the trap themselves. 
That here they are, not protecting, not caring, not feeding, not defending. And they're letting them uh, live on their own. And they've created this thing where they are the ones being served. And they're the ones who are thought of as important. And they're the ones who are ruling each other, ruling everyone with an iron hand. I am the good shepherd, Jesus says again in verse 14. I know my sheep and I am known of mine. As the Father knows me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Everybody knows the right answer, but this is not how people live. Verse 16, he reminds them that there are other sheep too. He's reminding them that, yeah, the whole world, yes, we've had God's elect, and we've had the Jewish people, but there, there are sheep out here. That, that have no shepherd at all. They're in a whole different fold. They're out there. I was talking to someone uh, this week about this. What's the deal with those Ninevites? The Ninevites were certainly not Jews. Were they Jews? Everybody say the Ninevites were not Jews. But God sends Jonah the prophet to them to tell them to repent. How, how could they even do that to him? What were they going to? They were going to repent and be Jews. And to go to the temple and offer... No, they were not. But they repented and they put on sackcloth and they put on ashes. Who were these people? Oh, I prayed that the people of Ninevite, that we may get to see them in heaven one day. There are other sheep that are not of this fold, but I'm going to bring them all together in one fold. What's he talking about? There's coming a day when it's not just going to be the Jews, but it'll be the Jews and the gentiles and jesus is talking about it right now he's saying there's going to be one shepherd and it's going to be me and i'm going to bring them in and i'm going to care for them therefore doth my father love me because i lay down my life that i might take it again no man takes it from me but i lay it down I have the power to lay it down i have the power to take it again this commandment i have received of my father So how do you think the Jews responded to this condemnation? Like they responded to all the other ones. You know, when we hear this kind of condemnation for ourselves, how do we respond? You know, the Bible says that when we are confronted with our sins, what must we do, Luke? We need to repent. You know, today we can complain about the church and church people and we meet people. And, and you know, part of me when I was with, uh, when I was with little Michael and, 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 uh, and Stella, I know they're not, they're, they're, they're adults or whatever, but part of me wanted to rail against, you know, their, where they go to church and all that. But another part of it made me wanted to beat up on my own breast and say, how could we be like this? Not how are they not like that, but how could we be like this? And I really think the heart of the, of the Christian who loves God and who sees the humility of Christ here, Christ could come and He could confront them and He could convict them and he could condemn them for this but that's his job 
I think God calls us to look at ourselves and say, are we, good, are we this? Are we this example? And so here he is. He's in this condemnation of them, though. He's telling us what we ought to be. How we ought to serve each other and how we ought to love each other. And how we ought to lay down our lives for those God has given us. Men, all you men, I'm looking at you men, you men who have children. Is that how you're living? I know, I know we want to keep order in our home and I know we want to accomplish certain things. And, but as the good shepherd has so taken us under him, have we been good shepherds? Have we loved our children? As God has given us roles in the church, have we, have we really taken that to heart and have we laid down our lives for the sheep? Or have we stood afar off in the position that we have, offering whatever counsel is needed in the time it is needed? Have we looked after them? Have we served them? Are we looking for the lost ones? I had a real difficult shepherd problem this week. And I won't give any names, but there was a, some of you may know about this. And, but there was a fellow who I worked with for many years who came around and um, having a real difficult time. Drug addict, through drug use and maybe even through something worse in jail, through a horrible thing that happened to him there, contracted AIDS, dying, about to be homeless. The church that he went to found out and they said, you can come, but you have to sit on the back row. We don't want you being contagious to the people of our church. And I sat and listened to this young man cry. He's a sheep, with no, or he may be a sheep, I don't even know what he is. But I know that my heart reached out to him. And you know, I thought about bringing him here, and I could, he'd, be, he'd be here right now. But I think to be a good shepherd, he can't be here. That's hard. Not going to be homeless now. We fixed a few of his issues, helped him through it. And part of me that's hard to die to says, well, we'll just, we'll save him. We'll bring him right here. We'll put him here. We'll show him what, how Christians ought to act. But another part of me said, well, maybe I should talk to his other church. And sometimes there's just a little more to the story. But in the end, honestly, to die to myself, even as trying to pastor him, to die to myself is to have him not come here. Because it's hard. I was telling Andrea on the phone, I'm, I'm talking to her, you know, we're out on our, we're actually visiting my mom in the hospital and, you know, and I'm talking to him and I'm just like, how can I not help this man? How can I not? But sometimes helping people comes in different ways. And sometimes 
there's a whole bunch of sheep here that, that need, they need more than just me feeling guilty and bringing someone here to torment you. God calls us to lay down our lives, whether, whether that is to be less compassionate or more. Sometimes it's harder to not be so compassionate. We're all made different. But God calls us as fathers, as leaders. He calls us to lay down our life, to put those that God has put under our charge, to put them over us in our care for them. And and we could learn from Christ today. Could we not? Amen? We could hear that invitation. You know, uh, Jason, I know you have a difficult time, and in a sense you're... You're not over your mom and over your sister, but you you really are. You're over them. They may not agree to it. They may not sign on any dotted lines that you're over them, but there's nobody else, buddy, to care for them and to be over them but you. And you've got to say, how can I do that in a way that would please the Lord? How can I love them? And I think you're doing a really good job. I know you probably don't think so sometimes, and I know... As a dad, I feel like a pretty bad dad sometimes too. But every one of us should hear this kind of a a declaration by Christ about what the shepherd shouldn't be and what kind of shepherd he is. And it should cause us to ask ourselves, is that what I am? Is Christ living in me and through me? Am I feeding and taking care of and protecting or am I just kind of letting it you know it's easy just to sort of well you know other dads don't get that involved and they sort of let this and I don't want to cause a big problem and I don't want to do that hey sometimes going and helping your your one who's off there is is a hard thing to leave the 99 to go and do but you got to go and so as you are serving Christ and as you are looking to this you know, they were being condemned. But I think we should be inspired by this today. And we should ask God, are we taking the example of the Good Shepherd? Let us pray. Lord, we see this interaction and the fleshly part of us wants to be, oh yeah! Tell Him, Lord! Show them where they're wrong. Connect the dots for them. And then show them that judgment is coming because they deserve it. And they did. And judgment came. But I pray today, oh God, that we would not allow to live in our hearts and our minds the spirit of the shepherds that were judged. But that we would have your spirit, the spirit of the good shepherd in us that lays down his life for the sheep who seeks to lead them to the green pastures and the still waters who loves them cares for them who seeks for them when they're lost oh god let us know that sometimes seeking for the lost out there in the weeds sometimes you get hurt and and it's difficult and you can't find them and you're frustrated and oh but it's worth going Help us, O God, to be active, to watch the hearts of our children, to see where they're going astray. We're tired from our work. We're tired and and stressed out from so many things, O God. May we not be people who are indulging ourselves, O God, but that we are 
spending ourselves for those you have given us to lead. In Christ's name we pray and all the church said, Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Robinette of Foundation Church. Thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to our audio sermons. We would love to hear from you if you have any comments, questions, or just to let us know how they served you. Go to our website, www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org, and send us a note. Thank you, and it's a pleasure to serve you.